0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babel subscription at Babbel.com slash blue That's 60% off at com slash blue Spelled B A B B E L dot com slash blue wire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: We are back. The RotoWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, back five days a week. I'm Scott Jensen, joined as always with, by uh, Jeff Erickson on Sunday nights. Looking forward to chatting baseball with you tonight. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to the Roadwire Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, looking forward to another season of baseball. It's weird to be talking baseball in January, but very much uh, looking forward to it. Definitely, uh, definitely miss seeing Jeff uh, over the uh, over the off season. We do a little bit of golf chat together, so I see him once in a while. But uh, Jeff, how are you today? It's probably a dumb question. <laughs> uh,
2: Hootie, yes, I am good. I'm really good, Scott.
1: Uh, I'm over the moon. Hey, I'm super as, happy. As, as long because as, one, as be long be one of, one of you. us. Is, As long as one of us doesn't feel like they're about to, you know, uh, in the down of the dumps, that's good. As long as one of us is good. I was just talking about the podcast.
2: No, uh, I am super psyched about this, though. Uh, It's been too long. There's been moments where I've wanted to start talking. uh, But you know what? At the same time, like a lot of it was nice to have like a week and a half off of like hosting podcasts. Now it's with football podcast being done, although I might have to change that up for maybe one more. We'll see. Uh, I, I'm excited about this. I've done about four or five slow drafts now. So got getting some reps in uh, it's not the same though, as doing a live draft, not the same as doing a 15 team where they've all been the NFC 50. So I've been doing these 12s. Okay. I'm going to just start, I'm going to start jumping into the 15s uh, starting this week. I think uh, I'll start, I'll probably do a draft champions beginning this week, but uh, I, I, yeah, I'm over the moon about the Bengals. I, I couldn't be happier. Uh, I'm, I went last week, obviously, to Tennessee, and that was amazing. That's and awesome. today was amazing. And uh, I think, it, you know, we'll see about uh, go, You know, about the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, I, we're not going to be favored, but what's new? It's fine. I uh, yeah. I know you do like guess lines. Do you not do you not want to tell you what the line is. I already know what it is. So, okay. I, right. I, and I actually did it in my head beforehand. So, uh, but because I knew it was coming.
1: Yeah, I thought it'd be I thought it'd be three, three and a half. I think it's four, so it's. Uh, but uh, anyway, anybody can get their football talk somewhere else? I know everybody's here to uh, to talk baseball. Um, I I can't go without saying, you know, we last time we did our podcast was the week before the playoffs started. Just to be clear, if you listen to that podcast, I told you the winner of every single playoff series. You the did entire way through, and uh, actually backed it up. I saved my season last year with I finished second in the NFBC uh, playoff contest. One more Austin Riley home run would have won the whole thing, but uh, still it was pretty fun. So. Anyway, I've had a bad day, so I'm gonna go ahead and brag for two seconds on how well I nailed the baseball playoffs since that was our last podcast. But Jeff, baseball's in a weird place right now. I don't want to talk too much lockout. It's kind of depressing. But in terms of like a fantasy angle, like how do you feel about how do you feel this lock? I mean, do you have any feel at all? I mean, obviously you don't know, but do you are you like not prepping as much because you don't know what's happening in drafts? Are you kind of going full bore normal? Are there is there anything you do in a draft as you're drafting now that's like that you adjust at all for the potentially of maybe this being a shortened season?
2: You know, I haven't changed any projections for like number of games. I, I still think there's a possibility of them getting close to starting on time. I don't think they'll start on time, but I think yeah. it'll be close. Like maybe we could still lose five to 10 games. It's th- that, that outcome is still possible in my mind. Uh, but we're a week away from when, I know. you know, team players, pitchers and catchers start reporting and, you know, injured players are rehabbing and things of that nature. And none of that's going on. Um, and, I, I don't seem it doesn't feel like we're particularly close to an agreement, uh, at least judging by the public, uh, you know, d- d- disclosures of what offers have included so far. Yeah. It seems like they're pretty darn far apart. Um, so from that side, there's, there's still not urgency being felt with these with with both sides.
1: Yeah, I, I get the same way, and I think that the it seems like maybe the players uh, have a little more urgency, and I don't think there's any urgency for the owners. I think there's a bunch of owners that wouldn't really mind if they missed April, which is uh, you know kind of hard when you're doing negotiations. And then I, I just don't know what that point is where people are like, all right, we need to figure this out now. You you kind of hoped it was going to be spring training, but uh, you're like the first time in i guess i've since before before COVID, i always went to spring training i didn't even book a trip this year because i just don't I, mean, I, just, I don't think the schedule is going to hold at all but uh mm-hmm. kind of depressing but uh you know i think at some point uh, they're going to figure this out we got to uh you know and they may figure it out soon and we obviously got to be prepared got to be uh got to be doing stuff you're already doing drafts i was curious though Was someone like i'm just gonna use an example like ramon laureano is uh he's got like a, what, like 27 games left on a suspension like if they play a six month season, that's kind of like all right, whatever. I miss I miss most of April, and that's kind of fine. It's what sixteen percent of the season. Like you know, there's one value, but if they miss the two first two months of the season, you have a four month season. Like suddenly he's missing a way bigger chunk of the season. I just wasn't I wasn't sure if anybody was like. Figuring that kind of working that out in drafts yet, you know, are you, you know, more likely like in the short season, like pitchers kind of moved up because, uh, you know, it was a short season and you don't have to worry about as much about pitchers getting hurt with less time. Uh, but I wonder with like the suspension guys, the injury guys, like someone like Ronald Acuna, like if they don't play in April, like suddenly he doesn't miss any games.
2: Right. It, that kind of goes both ways. Like you mentioned Loreano instance there. And I, I no, I I, I look at his ADP and I was like, oh, yeah, that's why it's so low. Oh Yeah, he still has to miss so much there. Um, yeah, it's a big deal um yeah i I, and there's a lot of instances with the injured guys i think that kind of work both works both ways though because yeah he might have more time but he's not he doesn't have more time rehabbing with professionals
1: yeah, an, you big, know that's a big deal. Like I we see these weird clips of like Mitch Keller throwing a hundred and one in this like like workout facility. It's just we don't we're not getting like beat writer stuff, we're getting not getting all that stuff because nobody's really doing any info. We're getting like videos from guys' uh, <laughs> homes and working out with people, and it's uh it the, the lack of information is tough when we usually have you know information from a doctor's and oh he's been working on a facility for a month, and we just don't have that this year.
2: Yeah, and then sometimes in some instances those home videos aren't positive, like six of Sanchez. Boy, that was uh, bad. Yeah. Cool. And, you know, I, you know, it, it's a big gaping unknown. I I don't know. And that's, that's the tricky part about all of this here. Yeah. So um, I, I think I might tend to discount the injured guys a little bit more, if anything, okay. because of all that. Uh, I mean, it, it, the thing is, you know, I, I think we overrate what we think we know so that there is that aspect there. But when there is a clear issue of a player coming back like this, I'm, I think injury optimism is dangerous to begin with. I think it's even more so this year.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, there's a a good chunk of guys that, you know, are going to be doing their rehab and it's working as much as hard as they normally would. But, I mean, there might be some other guys without that team control and, you know, team helping them out. You might get some stuff that maybe they'd not – Doing everything perfectly, so it's a hard little, uh, it's a hard little stuff to figure out. But uh, yeah. let's talk about some early drafts. You are, you said you're doing some some best ball 12s. I was going to ask you what you are drafting. You said you're going to start some fifteen teams. What are you planning on drafting? What's kind of your uh, your next month for uh, next month, uh, maybe six weeks look like for drafts?
2: Well, I'm going to start uh, draft champions, just buying into one. But I'm also going to do uh, the first pitch Arizona speakers panel uh, uh, draft champions that we do that Jeff Zimmerman's been dominating the last couple of years. Uh, trying to unearth, un- unseat him a little bit there. Do you but guys, do you guys
1: start that when you're there, or you just do the whole thing? No, now?
2: we do the, we do the whole thing usually okay. starting usually like a week ago, but it's got pushed back a little bit. But uh, I think that starts on the fourth, I want to say February fourth. So maybe in a week, maybe or February first, maybe I think. Um uh, Yeah, that, something yeah, that's, like
1: that. That's coming up. That's Tuesday.
2: Yeah, or is that so? Is it, yeah, I can tell. I can figure that this week, but it, it might be this week, might be <laughs> next week. I forget exactly, but. I'll be ready. Uh, so maybe I'll be doing two at once. I just did three uh, 50s at one time, which is one too many for me. Even wow. in a slow draft, it's a little too much. You know, like, how what do uh, I have the, in this the, league? What's the
1: clock on those? Is it four hours?
2: Well, I did one at one, one at two, one at four. All right. Uh, uh, and, the, you know, it, it. there's some cross-pollination that kind of makes, oh, yeah, I needed this here. And I didn't need that. So like, and that happens sometimes. Four is a little too long for my liking. Yeah, I too. I prefer the two or the one um, two is actually a nice sweet spot. One, you, you can run the risk. Like I was traveling last weekend and you know, I, I think I got, I got autoed one round. I try to like, one of the great things the NFPC does is you can set your queue and you can set your queue for specific rounds, which is just yeah. huge. So you don't, you know, I want to get one pitcher, one hitter with these next two picks. Well, okay. and you kind of set it like that. And it's actually really nice to do uh and i actually did it for three rounds on that uh, that saturday when uh, the bengals titan games was going on i still think we raced through it because other people are auto picking every once in a while too that's the thing right. the danger you run into in the one hour ones is you get can you can get caught up in that a little bit
1: yeah for sure yeah i think two's uh two's a pretty good spot i get frustrated with four i'm not a great slow draft person um i'll be doing the uh, the raz slam and the tgfbi will be my be my slows this is kind of my, my starting and jumping in points but and then i'll get into i'll get into the live yeah. drafts and i probably i usually don't uh, i usually do more prep work than actually dc's i know some people like the dc's as their prep work and i'm more of a uh, kind of a make sure that i lined everything up and figure out what i'm what i like and what i don't like before i jump in with the money drafts but i'm uh right. i'm starting to prep it's usually like today is usually the day like nfc nfc afc championship week and i usually like after this week uh, i still usually start getting into baseball a, a good amount so it's uh I'm definitely getting there. Um, the 49ers losing probably helps my draft prep a little bit. I'll uh, I'll focus sure. on baseball a little bit and kind of move on from that. But uh, what about what have you noticed in these early drafts? I mean, I, I see some of the boards, obviously, and I'm paying attention. I'm talking to uh, a number of people who are doing a lot of drafts. Um, is it just me, or is the closer run insanely early this year? And I get that uh, there's a lot of good players that are doing it. Phil Dussault has talked about the fact that you got to get your closer early. He's been drafting like in the second, fourth. But – I flipped on a draft. I saw like Will Smith in the fourth. I saw Rysell Iglesias in the second. And like closers have always been a little crazy, right. but that's like we're talking like two three rounds earlier than normal. That seems seems wild to me so far.
2: Yeah, it is wild, and it's been more pronounced recently. I want to. I I think I think I'd like to compare like December drafts versus January drafts, and I would bet you that's only accelerated as as I, I feel like that's the talking cycle. I know there is like uh, you know a DC with. All podcast hosts uh, drafting, uh, and that one there. And I think those, those were that one was a little asymmetric. Um, and you know, obviously, you get some of these like special you know, Mike the Mouth hosted ones and things like that, where right. I think people try to be a little different, perhaps knowing their competitions in there. You know, you got Phil Dussault in there, you might like, okay, to beat the you know, to, to slay the dragon, I got to do something differently. Just right. out valuation, uh, out, out, out have, having a better valuation package than him probably isn't going to work. Uh, so I think it puts some pressure on people sometimes, or at least they, they think that they want to like do that. I, I don't want to get in people's heads because I, there's a lot of, lots of legitimate reasons to do what people do in drafts. Right. But, um, I think that that's a possibility, but I, you know, I think like you said, that the, the, the second round of Glacius thing, that, that's gotta be kind of a little bit of unique. unique, yeah. but I am starting to see it get pushed up a little bit without, and, you're,
1: and you're seeing, I mean, Hendricks and Hayter always going the second round where it's was like, yeah, the three, four turn before we get that first closer. Um, I guess two questions on this. Do you think it is, A, a fact that it's DCs and you can't pick up closers in FAB? You can't. I mean, you have to get your guys, otherwise there's just no way to get around it. You're, you're guessing late, but you can't pick up the hot guy in FAB. And do you think, too, um, just the lack of signings and lockout stuff, like there are very – there's a bunch of spots that are still – like Kenley Jansen hasn't signed. We don't know where guys are going to yeah. end up. Do you think people are just figuring, like, there's only, oh, I don't know, 10, 12 guys who actually seem like they have jobs? I better get one now. So it seems to me, like – those both factor in. How much do you think they factor in? How much do you think that changes in March when we start to do Fab leagues? Do you think that they they get pushed back a little bit? Or do you think this is here to stay? I think more people hear people talk about the
2: closer spot, though. Too, I think the more <laughs> that true. kind of pushes that pushes that up. I think there it kind of builds off itself. Uh, there were only uh, two, four, six, eight, nine closers that had thirty or more saves last year. Uh, you, I, I don't. I, I, I know it wasn't that pronounced in the past. There seems to be, it's definitely getting more and more spread out. Uh, and you got teams like the Reds, who I don't think anyone had more than 10 saves. Uh, you got the Rays, who have been doing this as kind of like, despite us sort of thing. And the Mariners are starting to do that. You were tweeting about Steckenrider right before the con- podcast t- tonight, and you didn't realize he had 14 saves. Like, yeah, and yet, yet he still wasn't a full-time closer, you know, and that, that's the thing. It's like, you know, he, you know, he had it for pieces all along. You know, that, that was purposeful spreading around. So I think, you know, that pushes it a little bit more. And I think you realize that your your rewards and fab aren't necessarily going to be that great either. And, you know, we've always talked about how, okay, saves coming to the league. It is true. And it still is true. Yeah. But
1: they're coming in for five, six weeks here and there. Yeah. And it's funny. You mentioned the nine guys with 30 saves. And you look at that. And everybody points how Mark Melanson led the league at 39. Like, oh, you can just find one later. But you look at seven of those nine guys were guys that were drafted early as legit closers. You have Hendricks, mm-hmm. Jensen, Will Smith, Josh Hader, Iglesias, Diaz, and Chapman. Like, those are all guys that went – maybe Will Smith went a little bit later, maybe the ninth, tenth round. But those other guys were, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth rounders. And, I mean, that, those are the guys that got saved. So, I think people are realizing that paying for it actually can work. Jake McGee's the other guy in there, by the way, and he was probably yep. a – 12th rounder and got moved up kind of as the main event went and he was he was looking healthy, looking like the guy. And he was he was for a good chunk of the season till late in the year. But um you don't you're not getting those like guys that end up with jobs like there was last year a couple years ago or a few years ago it was K-Rod that uh, you know with the Brewers that like, got the job out of nowhere and ended up getting a bunch of right. saves. The guys who are getting 30 plus saves are guys that start with a job, are studs, and keep the job. There's not a lot of like guys that just rolling the job because like you said, jobs that open up usually get end up splitting with a bunch of a bunch of a bunch of different players.
2: Yeah, that's right.
1: And even in McGee, we
2: don't even know if he's going to be the guy. In fact, he's getting drafted second among Giants yeah. relievers this year. I assume How-
1: deval Duvall's first. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel about that? I just uh, it's weird because we're like we always do the like, you know, Gabe Kapler, you can't trust it. But I mean, last year he pretty much stuck with McGee for a good chunk of the season. Even we had a you and I, I think both had him in the main event and he had a couple of hiccups there, and he kind of stuck with him. I, I I'd be scared of devolve that early myself. I just don't. Uh, I, I think that it, 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 the worst case, they they split a bunch of stuff and I just don't, I don't see Dovall as the guy that's just going to get it and run with it. I mean, he's really good at the end of the last year, really valuable for them. I know he picked up a little bit in the playoffs, but you could tell, I mean, he just a couple of, I think it was Bellinger hit the home run off him. Um, but yeah, it feels super early to me, but I haven't gotten into the closer pool enough to know that maybe just, that's where you have to take guys. Yeah. Cause you, oh. you have to, in the main event, you have to get them somehow. And uh, you're gonna you just don't want to be stuck in that you know round ten to twenty where you're taking guys who definitely don't even don't have jobs aren't that good. It's a bad combo.
2: yeah, and there are increasing number of players that are willing to double tap also and if you do that, you don't want to be left holding the bag and I, I get it. I, I completely understand. It. What's your preferred strategy? i I mean generally speaking, not necessarily for this year, but usually a one i usually like a one
1: solid closer and try
2: to find the second one later
1: i'm a i'm a top 12 one top 12 closer and then um find like there's usually I'll, i'll pick two or three guys in that next tier of 12 that i i like more than everybody else and i'll try and get one of those guys and it just so i'm trying to get one solid one and then one i like more than everybody else that i think will end up keeping the job and then I'm probably using maybe a 16, 17, eighth round pick on maybe my favorite closer waiting a guy who I think may emerge, and end up with a job. But even that is tough. I mean, you're taking starting pitchers, then you're taking your fourth outfielder, then it's hard to you know mm-hmm. use a spot. And then you, if you use a pick that early, like you got to keep them on your roster for a while. It's hard to dump that, so I may push that back a little bit. It's going to be crazy with people on closer waiting, so I may just try and take some stabs late. But I'd like to get a, a top to, a top 12 and then a second tier guy. But I mean, it sounds like I'm gonna if I'm gonna do that you have to go earlier than normal. And I I guess you just kind of figure everybody's going to do it. You just have to do it.
2: Yeah. Are you willing to be the first? Are you willing to start a closer run?
1: I'm usually not willing to be the first. Uh, It kind of depends where I am at the draft too. Like if I'm in a turn and I know, I know a ton of guys are going to go, maybe you just kind of have to do it. And for those top, you know, top two or three guys, like I think Hendricks and Hayter are pretty big difference makers um, as opposed to everybody else. So yeah, if I'm in a turn, maybe if I'm in the middle, I'd like to try and time it where maybe I get the, you know, the seventh or eighth guy, something like that. And I try and push as much as I can, but it's kind of a feel thing. And it really, in a 15 team or like where you are on the draft depends a lot on how you do that.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and I, I'm willing to fire that up. Like you said, like end of the third, beginning fourth, I think I am willing to go that route. I, well, and it, I actually say even middle third, perhaps yeah. if I, Especially, you know, if I have one starting pitcher already, I, I've, I'd i like to go, like, Wheeler, you know, go Wheeler and Hendricks to start off, you know, second and third rounds. Yeah, I, I can get behind that. Yeah, um I, I just, like from what I've round. seen, I
1: just don't think Hendricks is going to get there in the middle of third anymore. Yeah, um, it's really I, I be think be tough to right. get him. Have you noticed as you're drafting here, you know, a little bit that, uh, you know, these starters obviously always get pushed up in the main event. These closers are getting pushed up are there just really, are you going to see really good bats available in the third, fourth, fifth round? It's going to be like, it's going to be really tempting to load up and try and figure out the pitching on the back end. For sure. Um, something, something, something has to fall.
2: Always. Something always has to give. I think first basemen are going to drop. I, you know, I think one of the other things I, uh, one of the other topics I've seen on Twitter is a a lot of people. It's like, don't draft the early first baseman. I've seen that too. You know, and, the guys that might qualify for that, that you wouldn't take. Well, first of all, you know, you can't say anything bad about, about Vlad. So it's usually after that, but although it's kind of that,
1: like Olsen, Goldie, Alonzo, Abreu tier kind of thing. Like people are, I've just seen the, why take them there? We get the same guy four rounds later.
2: Yeah. Alonzo throw him in there. Yeah. Um, And then there's a drop-off after that. Then you're dropping down to Mount Castle. You're dropping down to LeMayhew, Jared Walsh is, you
1: know, and that next year um there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of new names in the top 10 rounds it's kind of a fun year like you look down you're like yeah J- jared walsh just picked 115 and uh, i want to ask you just so, since we're here um tyler stevenson has picked 139 uh that's a top 10 round pick in a 15 teamer uh where are you and tyler stevenson as a, as a reds fan um
2: as a reds fan i love him i i don't as a, like as a
1: early 10th round pick how do you feel about tyler stevenson are
2: we I don't. This is this is obviously uh, in a fifteen teamer. He'd be an early tenth round pick. Correct. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I think it's too soon. Yeah, I, uh, too. I know he. The playing time should be abundant. Uh, the fact is that they let they trade away Tucker Barnhart and they signed you know a couple of minor league uh, journeyman catchers to be his backup. So he's kind of going without a net here. He is going to be the yeah. starter. He's going to get playing time and he might even bat higher in the lineup. I like him. But that lineup's not as good as it was. It's, it's not going to be as good. casty has gone. I don't think they're going to sp- assign anybody significant. It, this is our winner of our team discontent. Our Reds and our A's oh, are yeah. now they're like f- someone else's Reds and A's. They're now on another team. So, uh, yeah, I, I just I don't think that I think that's a little too soon. I could see it working. I don't see myself making that chance. I, I you know I'm, I'm not against an early catcher. Fact, I think Will Smith is going to be on a lot of my rosters. Nice, uh, but I, I'm going to, you know, I, I listened to if you listen to uh, Michael Simeone and uh, James Anderson's guys, they won't draft guys uh, podcast. It was pretty good. I think they both they named Stevenson and uh, Dalton Varsho as the two catchers that they wouldn't have on their roster, and I, I agree with both of those. Um, I'm more inclined to pay up for Contreras, I, I, I or Grandall for that matter. Or I might just wait a while. I think a lot of times I've been waiting, getting two catchers in the late teens as as an
1: approach. The Varsha one jumped out to me. I started to look at ADP a little bit. He's the fourth catcher off the board right now. He's he's right. pick uh, pick ninety one. And I was looking, I was like, did I forget how good he was last year? And I really didn't. He wasn't very good. I get this. There's a lot of upside. There's there's the stolen base upside, which is really valuable at catcher. And, you know, he was an 18, 18, guy in the, in, in 2019 in double a. And now the playing time looks like going to be there, but man, that seems like a, I look at the other, other names around him that are getting drafted. I just, I, I don't think there's any way I'm taking him in that spot.
2: Yeah. I, that's kind of how I feel. And I'm, I'm trying to like extrapolate, maybe see if I uh, look at it, the game logs real quick. Just like over the last couple of months, did, was he better? He was better. He was. Better. Uh, you know, if you look over, it's like from August first on, he hit two seventy 476 sixteen, four seventy six. I'm cherry picking, obviously. Yeah, and he, I mean, he
1: hit uh, two ninety in the second half. Just to use a huge, big chunk sample with ten home runs and five stolen bases. Yeah. So, I, I mean, if you take that over two halves, obviously, it'd be insanely valuable at catcher. But right, I don't know. Feels like a, it feels like a big leap to me. The price. It's something like if I can get it a little bit later, I'm like, yeah, it's really interesting. But in the sixth, seventh round, like that, just seems early for me are there any other draft trends you've noticed any like positions you've noticed that are um especially weak this year stuff that you're like yeah as i get to the this round i realize that if i don't have one of these i'm in trouble
2: i'm noticing and i think other people are and at least have been talking about it too a little bit is that don't really feel comfortable waiting too long on third base that i think it kind of dries up a little quicker than people realize uh and I think as a result of that, sometimes you go get Jose Ramirez early and just lock it down and let, or, or get Raphael Devers. But with Ramirez, obviously you're getting the stolen bases again. Yeah. And that, and that's just the thing, you know, stolen bases are tough to find. Yeah. Uh, but if you get a third baseman that runs, well, you're way ahead of the field. As far as that goes, and that's also the appeal for Bar show. I get it. Uh, there's, there's a lot of last year's bombs at this position. Alex Bregman has dropped, you know, six rounds. Uh, yep. Anthony Rendon is now an ADP over a hundred, and I understand the reasons for that. There, he he was a huge flat tire last year. Uh, Justin Turner is probably not going to be healthy for the start of the season. Uh, he he's at like one sixty. Yep. So, and and of course, our A's very own Matt Chapman has been a lightning rod topic. Actually,
1: he just struck out three more times. You were talking about third basement Yeah,
2: I know. Um, and so, but. <laughs> I was wondering though. I mean, he, this is a guy whose ADP has
1: dropped like ninety spots. Are you there to pick up the bargain there? I'm. I'm definitely there to pick up the bargain, and maybe I'm just being an A's sucker. But like, it just, I just the last two years are so weird that I have to think there was something. I know he was unhealthy, not healthy in 2020, but I mean, the strikeout rate has just jumped so significantly. He's like a low 20s strikeout guy in 2018, 2019. 2019 was his really good year when he hit. Uh, I guess it he, he was good in 2018 too, but the 36 home runs in 2019, but. I mean, strikeout rate is 35 percent in 2020 with the, the hip injury and then 32 percent last year uh didn't walk a bunch last year Hits, but he's still hitting the ball hard barrel rate's still good hard hit rate's good i just think he's an immensely talented guy and he's 28 mm-hmm. now i think maybe we're gonna see a finally a fully healthy season i i'm a scared of what the lineup's gonna look like but b he might not be one of the guys in the lineup i think that uh if there was no lockout, I think Matt Chapman would have been traded already. I think that the only way Chapman stays in Oakland is because the lockout kind of compresses everything in the trade season. Like, everybody's just doing so frantically stuff. Maybe right. you just don't get trades worked out. I think they would have traded him and Olsen. I think they want to really um, tank and kind of rebuild for when the new stadium gets built, if that ever, ever happens. So they're taking some minor steps right now, and apparently – they seem to be a little more towards Oakland than they are Vegas at the moment, but with uh, with the A's yeah. ownership and their uh, their present, I don't I don't really believe much they say. So I'll believe it when I you know I see someone put a shovel in the ground. But right. yeah, I, I do. I think that I think the price is finally right in Chapman. I'm I'm a big last year's bum person as it is. I like post hype sleepers. I like last year's bums. Um, I do think you guys find value there. Um, I like Josh Donaldson in the 200s too. I think that's a that's workable. Um, you kind of hope with uh, Nelson Cruz gone, maybe he DHs, which would help him get a number of plate appearances too. Um, and is an interesting guy too. His ADP is still about the 10th round, 144. But he's someone that uh, I really liked last year, and it did not work out. It was uh, it was surprisingly surprising down year for Moncada. But he's still hitting the middle of a really good lineup.
2: Yeah, he is. Uh, and But the thing is, what does he do? Does he hit for power or does he run? needs to do one or the other you would think but uh, three
1: three stolen bases the last two years is not something i thought i i didn't think we'd get 20 but i thought we'd get you know eight to 12 a year and three over two seasons is is pretty pretty rough
2: yeah suarez is sitting there at 204 just like hanging out there saying hey remember me i, I used to i'm the guy that used to hit 40 plus homers and i qualify at shortstop now come on down no i i haven't brought myself to take him so far uh but it, it's tough. I think of all those later ones, I might take Donaldson. I might be more inclined to take Donaldson, even though I know I'm getting into the injuries with him.
1: I think the thing with Donaldson is you know you're still getting a really good hitter. It's just a matter of how many games you're getting, and mm-hmm. that's always kind of the case. But I, I do think that the DH being open there uh, does help him a little bit. I mean, you look at, I mean, the guy had a 17 percent barrel rate last year. Like he was still vintage Josh Donaldson. That's his career high. Still hit 26 home runs. Still hit 250. There's just there's a lot of good stuff with Donaldson. It's just a matter of, you know, you're always taking the risk of a 60-game season because they there's always something that's going on with them. Yeah. So let's jump into a little bit of uh, draft prep before we talk about uh, some of these free agents that have signed and kind of, you know, old faces in new places. But first, a note from our sponsors at WinBet, there's one thing I appreciate here at RotoWire: is making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up. I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more, all at your fingertips. While you're breaking sports betting, head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down on blackjack, slam the slots, or tie your hand at Win WinBet's currently available in eight states. That has grown from last year when it was six. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia. Louisiana was just like last week, I think. While rapidly yep. expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all Rotowire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for Rotowire's fantasy Podcasts.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
1: so Jeff, we talk a lot about like prepping for drafts, kind of in this like grandiose thing, like oh, I'm prepping for drafts. But what does that mean for you? What are you doing? Um, like you got uh, whatever, got, yeah, two months here to towards uh, we get the big uh, the big drafts in. I guess we got, like a month and a half to the big drafts in March. Um, hopefully we got to, hopefully got live drafts in Vegas, all that kind of stuff. Hopefully the season starts, and we can get out there. Um, what does prep for you look like? Are you? Uh, I know you do the projections probably in November, but like what is uh, how do you get ready for a draft? I mean that's the starting point. Is
2: doing the projections uh, and then trying to dive into those players a little bit more over the course, like the first month and a half, I'm really is more general. I'm not doing a draft specific prep. Uh, I'm learning about the player pool. You know, I'll read something interesting. Like, okay, I'll dive into this player a little bit more. I'll, I'll go, I'll do my rankings. I'll do some dollar values. Like, okay. And then like I'll battle test it. I'll do like these NFPC fifties. I'm like, wait, he he's clearly the top of my rankings yet I don't want to take them. why yeah. and then I start trying to dive into them a little bit more and finding out finding that out so some you know I don't really start to get draft specific in my prep probably until March okay and then I'm starting to look more at the mains I'm looking more at AL only you know it's with you know I'm at different drafts when it's like okay I've, this is OBP who are some of the guys that are going to be more valuable with that or that would be like an AL TAT wars, for instance. I was
1: gonna say you do t- you do AL only in TAT, you do mixed in labor, right? Is that how you? Score? Uh,
2: that's correct. In fact, okay. that's gonna be my first industry draft, uh, February twenty second, mm-hmm. two 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 two. Uh, is that and a
1: draft or an auction?
2: It is a draft, fifteen team right. mixed league draft. So it's very similar to uh you know NFBC style, but yeah. obviously there's no overall contest. Um, uh, so that that's a little bit different, you know. And there's right. trading allowed too, and trades were actually a big part of why I did well in that league last year. Uh, you know, I had, had a surplus and power was able to flip, turn that into other stuff. So that helped out pretty well. Um, uh, I, I, so that, but you know, I will, from time to time, I will prep specifically for, a, a NFPC style draft or for my home leagues, you know, keeper leagues are obviously different score sheet leagues are different, right? I play a lot of leagues, a lot of different yeah. styles of league too. And so, you know, I, I, I don't have really the time to do it like, every draft is going to be a specific cheat sheet or anything like that right. but i am trying to dive into players and you are i mean you? and
1: you start doing projections in november so you, I, mean, I mean at this point yeah. you're pretty well versed in the player pool who's where mm. like i'm i'm still figuring out who's where and who signed and who's still be left to be signed but uh, you know i figured out most of it but uh, there was someone i forget who it was the other day someone asked me on a player and i'm like oh he can lead off here and like oh no not really he's not on the team anymore so i'm still getting there but um for me it's uh, i go position by position and i'm looking Um, I just kind of, I look at, uh, I look at each guy and, you know, the top guys I spend less time on, you know, I don't need to really look at, uh, you know, uh, Ronald Cunha or Tatis. I mean, I know those guys are great. If I get a, if I get an FPC pick in the top five, then I'll really dig on those guys and figure out who I want, but I'm looking for, you know, kind of down the line a little bit. I go position by position. I'm looking at every player. I look at, uh, I look at kind of what they did last year a couple of write-ups that uh, from people I respect and then I'm I'm kind of just digging in the numbers myself like on on pitchers I'm a lot of you know K rate walk rate I like swing strike rate you know I like to you know you got to get some of those metrics to see you know what uh, how did you guys pitch to their ERA last year did they not just it sounds dumb, but I'm really just looking for people I like more than the norm or people I like less than the norm. I mean, there's a lot of players sure. that I look at ADP. I'm like, that sounds about right. And if it's uh, if it fits my team and I need it, I'm fine there. But you know, my the brunt of my draft prep is figuring out my targets and my phase. These the guys that I really want to attack and get, be aggressive towards, right. me, move up my draft sheet. These guys, are like, I'm fine not getting. I'm um, within that is like figuring out uh, you know where positions go. You mentioned the third baseman drop off, um, that kind of thing, and also where stats drop off. I mean, there's uh, you, you find spots like. Oh, I can get stolen bases here, but you know, once you get past this round, you know, good luck trying to find them. I think that that's pretty early this year because all the good players are are the ones that get stolen bases. But I think finding you know pockets of value and being able to be flexible in draft, you know, if I if I miss out on corner infielders early, you know, where can I go late and try to figure that out? So I'm I I don't do the full projections like you do. I'm not exactly figuring out exact stuff, but I'll look at some projections. I'll look at your guys' stuff. I look at Steamer, but. Um, I'm mostly digging in on, on numbers. I, I like, you know, batters, you know, hard hit rate and barrels. I'm looking for guys that, you know, maybe didn't uh, were better than they, than their stat line last year, but it, it sounds kind of simple, but I'm really just kind of looking for people I like more and less than the norm.
2: I think that's smart uh, and simple is good, right? You yeah. know, I, I, unless you have a certain mind for, you know, complex equations, you know, it's good to boil it down. It's to yeah. simple there. Uh, let me ask you uh, one question though. Um, Please ask away. So in your prep, you know, you talked about, like, guys you might move down. For instance, are you canceling out, like, any, like, top guy in the first few rounds that doesn't run? Uh, is it like, how dogmatic are you about that? It's
1: a, re- it's a really good question. I think the one that's really hard this year. Because you look at it and you you see Mike Trout down there. And you're like, is he going yeah. to run? And you see Freddie Freeman. You see Rafael Devers. He mentioned earlier talking about third baseman. Like, These are stud awesome players. But – if you leave the first couple of rounds without any stolen bases, it's going to be really tough to find them. And the problem is there's probably two or three targets you can get, but like everybody that missed steals early is going to want those same guys. You look at like miles strong. gets moved up in drafts and, you know, I, I think he'll start for Cleveland every day, but you know, what are we getting as a player and how it, it feels a little bit like you and I've talked lot a lot, like the year I after Delano shields early. I just got stuck early and I had to push up someone I didn't really like. And I just don't want to do that. So there are times when I'll do it. You know, and also you need pitchers up there too. Like, I think like someone like Trout Freeman or Devers had to fall to a place where I'm like, you know what? This is worth doing. I'll figure it out later, but it has to be, it has to be someone, it has to be that. And the the real tough one in the middle is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Who's like the sixth overall pick right now mm-hmm. and amazing. And, you know, average and a ton of power. I think there's even more power to come. I Maybe mean, he, he unlocked everything last year, but you're starting the first round with zero stolen bases. Four last year, by the way. Oh, he had four. Yeah. All right. Well, well you're I'm, starting the year. You're starting the year. I don't four to
2: be, I don't, I'm not trying to be pedantic. I think. Four is, you know, if, if you need 90, four helps a little bit. You know, yeah. every, every, every margin
1: one does. It's How a fair point. point. We, we need a lot less than we used to, so that is a fair point.
2: How many stolen bases did
1: Freddie, Freddie Freeman have last year? Oh, boy, that's a good question. Probably six. Eight. All right. Eight is the so it answer. It helps a little bit. It's not. It's definitely not zero. It's not,
2: go, it's not quite Goldie, but eight, he's gone 10, six, you know, two in the uh, the 60-game season and eight. So he, he's not a zero there. Now, if he makes his home in Los Angeles, will that be different a little bit? Uh, that that he's one of the interesting ones. Uh, Robin he's was not, asking. He's not, if, he's
1: not. leaving, right? I don't know.
2: I don't know. Robin was asking us about Freddie Freeman, yeah. and I think you know there's a. I mean, the fact is that the brace didn't lock him up yet. I mean, he should be a, like a franchise cornerstone sort of type of player. The Braves are also a corporate-owned franchise too, with Liberty Media. I don't know if that that's going to knock him down a peg there, knock down their offer a peg to him. I don't know, but and LA keeps getting shut out. And Max Muncy might not be ready for the start of the season. Maybe they decide to go big at first base, put Muncy at second whenever he comes back. Um, he's probably he's awesome. probably my
1: he's probably my favorite non-Nelson Cruz hitter right now. I just love watching Freeman hit; and he's, he's so, so fun. good. And a power hitter doesn't strike out in this era of guys who strike out at twenty eight percent is just it's so fun to watch and just it creates such a nice batting average floor, which is hard to find. I mean, just batting average is tough to find. Guys strike out a ton. Batting average is not what it used to be. You get a guy that's going to hit thirty home runs and hit three hundred. There's a lot to that, but you're right. He's got you. You, you, you certainly hope he steals those eight though to kind of get you at least push a little bit towards your goal. If he gets six, I'm still probably pretty happy. So in that vein, what do you do? What, what you, I, I'm curious what your projection is, but what about someone like Mike Trout? I mean, obviously he was hurt last year, um, but you know, it, it, elite of elite, maybe one of the best at this point in his career, one of the best players ever. But he has three stolen bases his last 89 games over the last two seasons. Three. Yeah. This is someone that you know stole 49 early in his career, but you know later in his career, 2017, 2018, still stole 22, stole 24. Then eleven in twenty nineteen, and off the injuries, you have to figure the Angels like you know what, unless it's a spot where you just got to go and you have it easy. Like you got to figure they want him avoiding those, right? Yeah, Um, I would say
2: I'm more concerned he has eighty nine games the last two seasons than the number of bases he has the last two seasons. But uh, like I'm pulling it, you know, I'm pulling up a Savant page to check out the sprint speed. I know in the past it's always been like really, you know even though he hasn't been running that the sprint speed's still been there for him. Right. And so that, that's kind of one of those things where I'm like, well, oh, I mean, okay. I mean, he, he still can fly. In fact, he was faster last year. He's 29.3 feet per second. Uh, you know, he, he, it's a lot of red with that sprint speed. It that's it,
1: 90s 96 percentile.
2: Is that good? Yeah, I, I think it is. But so, so
1: we determine it's a matter of, it's a matter of want to and team wanting him to.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, and so that's, uh, that that that's that's a problem there. So, uh, want you know, I, I don't know what to do, uh, you know, about about putting him there. But so far, I haven't gotten him You know, yeah. I've drafted, I think seventh twice, fifth once, and third once. So I'm not drafting in the back end of the first round yet, which is where you're going to get him
1: I actually think you're going to get him. I think he's going to be an early second, and maybe even pushed back a little further in some of the main event jobs. So I think the the non stolen base thing is going to really eat at people. Um, Injuries is in, gonna eat at people too. What's that? And injuries are gonna for eat For sure. At yeah. Things, I baby. mean, yeah, you played. And in, they should. And last year was weird because he was like all of a sudden he was out a few weeks and then he missed four months. It was just it was a strange and maybe they may have just shut him down because they were out of it anyway. But I know myself, it's gonna be really hard for me not to click or say Mike Trout's name in the second round if he's there.
2: Yeah. I I agree. It's gonna be very Whether difficult. If you
1: combo him with a pitcher, you might you know, in your the back end, you might go to the late third round without any stolen bases, and you're you're certainly worried about that as people come off the board.
2: Yeah, it, it's the beginning of creating a straw man argument for sure. Uh, um, you were so, just,
1: you were just waiting for that. Right? Oh,
2: I haven't even waited. I've been doing it on the show already, so um, <laughs> that's all right. You've been uh, drafting, but,
1: though. Are, are there other late like who are the who are the back half of the draft, stolen base upside guys that you are? If you get stuck in a hole here, like I'm, not, I haven't dug enough to know that. But if you're stuck, are there any names that you're like? All right. Well, I'm just going to grab this guy and hope. Well, we'll there's play. the obvious
2: name, right? It's the the CJ Coltenbach guy, uh, also known as the Siege, also known as Adalberto Mondesi. Yeah.
1: Uh, where are you on Mondesi this year? Man, I just. Wait, was he what does ADP about? Is he like sixth, seventh round now? Fifty six. Uh,
2: as a you know, oh, that's so he's still from December first on. He's fifty six,
1: so still in the fourth round. Then I thought somebody mentioned. I saw someone got him a little bit later today, and. There's a
2: range, wide range, though, Scott, 19 to 101. And I did see your, that, that same tweet that someone got him in the eighth round, but that's a 12 teamer, first round. Okay. Not not but still, a
1: that, I mean, yeah, if it gets that late, sure. I mean, you talked about Trout with the injuries. I mean, he's he's played what? Uh, he's played almost 94 games over the last, the last two years. Mm-hmm. But he, did play, he played 59 in 2020. He played the whole season. Um, he strikes out a ton. I just, and he hits the, hit the ball harder last year. I, it'd have to be a spot where, I was just buried the first rounds. I didn't get any stolen bases and I'd have to do it, but I, I, there's probably not a lot of pass I get him. Uh, but in the fourth, fifth round, I'm more willing to maybe think about than I was in the second round last year when there was no way I was taking
2: him. I mean, he got 15 stolen bases in 35 games last year. It's I crazy. Mean, I
1: mean, full green light. He's fully, fully fat. I mean, there's there's going to be a year probably where he stays healthy and he's a huge difference maker. It's just a matter of, you know, how many times you go broke uh, picking him until you finally get that year.
2: Yeah, that's right um and that that's definitely the problem but
1: man they're yeah you know, he solves that problem himself if it works though right and like you live never worry about stolen bases with anybody else the rest of the year yeah what about hobby Baez now on now on the tigers yeah. you know he, he runs
2: he, obvious batting average risk obvious new contract risk qualifies at second and short i always like that it's a little added bonus where are you on hobby
1: Baez? Uh, I'll admit that I looked at his line and I didn't, I didn't. I don't remember him being quite as good as he was. He was 265, 31, 18 last year. Like, that's really, really solid. And then you dig a little deeper. His swinging strike rate is the highest in the entire major leagues at 21.4%. A career yep. uh, K rates of 33.5%. Hit hit the ball hard. You could tell maybe he's sold out even a little more for hard contact barrel rate. Uh, and But you look at his last like three full seasons. You throw out 2020 in the shortened season. 31-18, 34-21, 29-11. Like, those are really good uh, power combo years. ADP 64. Um, I'm probably not going there with the batting average risk because I think it's a really big batting average risk. Um, but if you need a speed power combo guy and you you kind of get through the first few rounds and don't get one, I can see it, but I'm probably going elsewhere. How about you?
2: Yeah. What if I told you that he was far better with the Mets than he was with the Cubs? Because I wouldn't have guessed that until I looked at the like, the like the split stats there. Uh, with the Mets 299 371 515 struck out 53 times and in, in uh how many in 47 games with the Cubs 131 Ks in 91 games so Oof. yeah uh i think he sold out a little bit more with the Cubs and obviously maybe you know you're on a team that's not competitive but i think you know, the hobby bias moment that most people remember with the Mets is staging that uh, thumbs down thing yep. Oh. Uh, but then he, like the next day he scores the game winning run on a hustle play and you know, all's forgiven, but
1: do you get, least... do you get the feeling that they are signing someone else there? Because you kind of stick Baez in the middle of that lineup and it's still the same lineup with one star in there. They spent, they spent 140 million on Baez. Um, do you get the feeling that they are maybe adding there or do you think they're done? Cause oh, the if Tigers? you look at it, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I know Correa was the big rumor there, but you have to figure that's not going to happen unless Baez wants to move somewhere else. And you don't, you obviously, if you sign Carlos Cray, you want to play shortstop. He's an awesome defender. But um, I don't know. It just feels weird to sign one guy and have their lineup. It, you, you think you think maybe a couple of guys because they still got Candelaria hitting fourth, Scope hitting fifth, Miggy maybe hitting sixth. Torkelson's obviously um, coming fast and he'll be in the middle of the lineup pretty quick. So but is Riley
2: Green. Riley yeah, Green Riley might Green. be ready before Torkelson, too.
1: You mentioned, you mentioned Jaden Anderson. I heard him on the Launch Angle podcast. And Riley Green was kind of the one guy he seemed like the, that he was really big on. In a redraft as a prospect, and when James yeah. talks about prospects, that's definitely something I listen to. And the, the the thing
2: about James is he's pretty circumspect about pushing up the prospects
1: too. He is. It seemed like he, but that was the one guy. Like everybody, as they went through him, he was like, "Yeah, no, not at the price, and eh, not at the price, a little overhyped." And he gets to the Green, you can kind of tell that that was uh, that was his guy at the price. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I
2: I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think they still have budget room, so to speak. You know, I don't know. I don't pretend to know what their actual bottom line is, but yeah. You know, I feel like they don't have that expensive of a roster just yet, and they clearly have places they can improve. Uh, I, I think if he – I think Baez was willing to move to second for uh, Lindor. I think he'd probably be willing to do it for, uh, for Correa too, and just putting the two of them together would be a nice combo. Uh, but, yeah, they could – they need another lefty bat, to be honest, I think. I know Badu's lefty, Barnhart's lefty, and he's going to play a lot. Uh, and
1: grossman and candelaria switch at least so they got a little bit in there but yeah
2: i guess yeah. they don't need it as badly i think but
1: you know who probably fits there is someone like anthony rizzo maybe some sort of big lefty first yeah, that's a good spot bat, that's a good call you know. that, I, don't that, I don't know i don't I know i don't i've no intention, but like that type of like that that kind of fits maybe a like a matt Olson trade would fit perfectly there too like a, a big lefty bat would make them pretty interesting pretty quick
2: yeah for sure um he did, you know, and they did uh sign a scope to an extension in August, so they're paying him seven and a half million. So he's probably they're pretty locked into scope playing. So, yeah, either scope plays first or he plays second, you know. I, you know, it's they either go get you know, so I, I know I'm not. My point is, they're not going to add Korea and Rizzo, it's either Korea right. or Rizzo, probably, or something like that. Um, yeah, I would think one
1: more, and obviously fans. they signed Eduardo Rodriguez too, so they're spending some money. But uh,
2: yeah, and they got all th- these good young pitchers coming up too. They do.
1: Yeah, they, they could be uh, they could be coming pretty quick too. That's uh, it's an interesting team that has not been interesting for uh, a few years until you know since the since the prime Miggy days when Verlander was beating the A's in Game Fives right. every single year. Uh, let's talk about some other uh, old faces in new spaces. But first, a note from our sponsors at Thrive. Experience a new way to play daily fantasy sports on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is an exciting player prop fantasy contest. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up for Thrive Fantasy today and receive a free six month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you can claim your free RotoWire subscription: Visit RotoWire.com/thrive. Deposit a minimum of ten dollars. Receive a one hundred percent deposit bonus up to one hundred dollars. Play your first paid contest and receive a free, free six month RotoWire subscription. So Jeff, there's some pitchers who uh, did sign. We talked about a lot of guys who haven't signed yet, but there's a there's a there's a group of like really expensive pitchers. Kevin Gossman got 110 uh, million. Uh, Robbie Ray got 150 million from the Mariners. Max Scherzer for three years, 130 to the Mets. Uh, let's talk about Gossman first. Obviously, a really really huge year was uh, was instrumental. In a lot of people that. Uh, Picked him later in drafts. We have mentioned Phil so He had him pretty much everywhere, and he was he was a monster for him in his big year. Um, two point eight one ERA, one hundred ninety two innings. Uh, nice K rate at twenty nine point three percent. Walks were solid. He does move from San Francisco to the AL East, and that's obviously a, a big shift. In both uh, who he's facing, um, parks he's playing in. How do you feel about Gossman at the ADP of? Uh, he's at sixty nine right now.
2: I think it's a legit concern to go from uh, you know San Francisco to Toronto. In L to AL, although I do think they'll probably end up with universal DH, uh, so that that limits some of that exposure. Did you realize that Gosman was better on the road
1: than he was at home? I would not have. I would not guess at all. I guess the, I guess uh, what do we call it now? Is it Oracle Park now? Um, has been not quite the pitcher's park that it was For in sure. 2019 and prior. And so they they did some change some stuff. And the last two years, uh, definitely in the COVID year, it was they 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 closed those gateways and it created a different wind angle. But it's it definitely been a different park. Plus, as you see from Brandon Belt. You know, finally hitting home runs. It's uh, it's definitely not uh, not the not prime pitchers' park we used to have.
2: Yeah, but two thirty three and one oh three are his ratios on the road. At home was three forty four and one oh five. So he wasn't allowing base runners in either locale, but uh, certainly was preventing runs better on the road. Again, we're talking luck of sample. You know, could have been right. luck of matchups on the road that could have explained that more than anything. Maybe he got three home starts against the Dodgers, for instance. There, yeah. you know, something like that that could easily change that there. But it was also a pronounced advantage on the road in 2020 as well. So for whatever that's worth. But I
1: mean, he was, you look at him and he, he was legit. I mean, the, the strikeout yeah. rate, the walk rate was good. I just hard for me to take a picture there in in, in Toronto at, at pick 69, but I think it all aligns up. It's not, you don't look at his season last year. Like, yeah, oh, he just kind of caught a bunch of breaks. Like you, know, you go Gossman was just really good. I watched him a lot last year. Um, He was fun to watch when he was rolling and he I had yeah. him a couple teams. It was fun. I mean, the, you know, look at the VIP if you want to look at some metrics. It's three point two eight, so still really, really good there. Um, I still think it'll be solid, but I just think he's fully priced right now. Yeah, but if you need it, I, yeah,
2: I, I, I like.
1: If you would miss you that- would you take him over twenty picks later? Would you take him over Robbie Ray uh, yes. at ADP forty nine? I would too. So that may, yes. I, maybe I like Gossman a little more than I think. Then.
2: Yeah, I, well, here's a closer one. An uh, ADP at least, Gossman or Jack Flaherty.
1: Ooh, that's a tough one. You, Flaherty was your guy the last couple of years. Just uh, not last, year was, not, last year was last year was right. Didn't you have him? He, much yeah, legs? he will
2: not be. I said uh, it was no, in the not future be. tense. Will not be. Uh, he was clearly on my team last year. I wasn't like all in on him like I was two years ago. Right. Uh, but I mean, at, after what happened last year, I, I'm not in the Chris list. He owes me camp all the time, right. and. I have a lot of concerns about his durability, not just getting on the mound, but staying on the mound, going deep into games. I think that that's a concern of mine too. I probably you have go free to wonder what 30. his
1: what his inning like cap is this year, right? Like that he's not throwing yeah. 180 innings. So he threw seventy eight last year, 40 in twenty twenty. Obviously that's a short mm-hmm. the season, but you know, he made what he's made twenty four starts the last two years. It's hard to envision the the Cardinals letting him throw 185 innings this year.
2: Yeah, I, I'd agree. Uh, Gossman or his teammate Jose Barrios?
1: I really like I really like Barrios, but I'd probably barely go Gossman. I think Barrios is a pretty – I, I do like him, though. Um, I'd probably go Gossman just barely.
2: I agree. Um, I think it's the whip. But, by the way, that Jays rotation is – one through four is pretty darn good.
1: They've, uh, uh, they've built a pretty darn good team pretty fast there. I mean, the offense is obviously yeah. really good, and they spent some money on pitching – um, you know, they were uh, they were just out of the playoffs last year, and you know, I think what they were just a game or two out, but um, they look really good really quickly. I like, I mean, it, it's hard not to like everybody in the lineup, you know, you, you know, both of you and I like Tiosco Hernandez. I love George Springer this year at the price. I think he's someone that'll end up on a lot of teams. I mean, Bo Bichette is obviously a top five guy in, in most drafts. I mean,
0: mm-hmm. and just
1: up and down. What do you, how do you, I'm going way off the script here, but what the heck do you do with Kevin Biggio right now? I, does he start? the he start here in AAA? Like I think that's a real possibility. Yeah, it's a possibility, and you know, I yeah, I'm not ugh, gross. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I liked him last year going in, and, I had, and he was he was horrible.
2: The decision is gross, and the other problem is he's third base eligible. Only third base eligible right now. He played 52 at games at third base, only seven at second last year, 16 in the outfield. That that drags on his value too. Like some of his appeal before is his versatility. Uh, that whole, I'm, a, I'm the, he's the only left-handed hitter in that lineup thing. Well, that, that appeal has kind of drawn away a little bit there. You know, all the people, all the, this is one where all the naysayers were right. You got to tip yep. your hat to them. They were right.
1: Yeah. He's a tough one. I, 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 I don't think it's impossible They're Like, you know what? Take April, go down there, figure out what you're doing. And then maybe we, we can bring him back up. But I don't think it's impossible that he starts here in AAA, which, you know, even skews his, his, where you pick him even a little more. Uh, we talked about Max Scherzer. Um, obviously, there's not much to say pitching wise. The dude was awesome last year. Two, four, six ERA. Um, mm-hmm. K rate was 34, percent like among his elite years. The uh, walk rate was really good at five percent. His career best. His WHIP was at 0.86 last year, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. But he's 37. He had some arm issues late in the year. If you mm-hmm. want him, he's pick 18 right now. You're talking you know, early second round, a 15 teamer, mid second round, a 12 teamer. Um, how much do the arm issues late in the year and the age? worry you as compared to all the fantastic and crazy good stats and metrics last year? Um, only in so much that I probably put Woodruff and
2: Wheeler ahead of him, but, and, and I think, but I think that gap is going to narrow a little bit as we get closer to, you know, main event season, at least, uh, as, as aces get kind of compacted to get, you know, a little bit more compact, yep. uh, you know, Woodruff is currently two spots in ADP behind him. Wheeler is like six. So, I mean, the thing is, Scherzer is, just, it's, you know, he, he's safer from a qualitative standpoint, but it's just the innings. And I, as, as we saw, I mean, losing those innings is is a killer too. When you, you know, you got your ace and you're hoping to get something close to 200. Yeah. I, I believe in Wheeler's pretty close to being legit. I, I think pretty close to... Re- You know, what he did in 2021 will probably happen this year. I've been taking him a lot mid to late second round.
1: Yeah, I love I love Zach Wheeler too. Just just because I'm looking at the ADPM pitchers, um, it's interesting because Degrom is 24, Shane Bieber's 32, and like those guys are going to move dramatically based on what their like first three bullpens look like. It's we're going to mm-hmm. see like if Degrom is throwing 99 looking healthy, like that's going to shoot up. If Bieber's looking healthy, like but those guys should shoot down. You know, if they suddenly look bad or have a setback or something happens, those are two guys that like us not having beat writers and them in the team facility. Like we just we just have no idea of those guys.
2: Agreed agreed and uh i've actually have been getting to grom as my second starter if i can get that uh, possibility in the third round in a 12 yeah. then you won't be able to probably get that in a uh, a 15 teamer but if i can get to grom as my second starter i think i'm all over that i think that where,
1: where are you on where are you on bieber is just me I mean that's a hard one to figure out you came back last year for like the two really short stints but you know 96 innings last year it's uh and they weren't quite as good in 2020, but 2020 was off the charts good. But he was been really good for three straight years. But he just arm issues is always a concern.
2: I haven't been doing it so far, uh, right. and part of it is because it was a shoulder, not the elbow. Uh, yeah. Part hate, of it is I because, hate shoulder injuries. Yeah. Part of it is the team is kind of disintegrating around him, uh, and part of it is also just that you know he's less of a tra- track record of like say compared to Degrom. I mean, DeGrom could be a ticking time bomb. He could be that, you know, yeah. he might pitch 40 innings for all we know.
1: He's uh, one of those things that he's going to be really fun to watch. But I think if you if you have him in your league, you're going to be scared almost on every pitch that he's going to – something's going to happen, right? It's just – right, and that's scary for your second-round pick. But he's also someone that he throws 100 – and even if there throws like 150 innings, like he's going to kill that. He's going to kill that yeah. job price. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the Texas Rangers made a big splash since we, uh, you and I last spoke, uh, signing two middle infielders, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, uh, Simeon's ADP is 35 coming as monster monster 2020 had 45 runs, 15 stolen bases, 115 runs, 102 RBIs. Obviously that was with Toronto, uh, where, you know, he had a lot of guys on base, a lot of guys driving him in, moves to a tougher hitters park in, in Texas, uh, a worse lineup for sure. Even with Seager there, uh, Seager's a little bit further down his ADP is about 80, um, I'm going to go ahead and say that I really like Seeger at the price and I'm out at Semyon on the price.
2: Everybody loves to hate on Marcus Semyon. I love uh, Marcus
1: Semyon. I just, no, no, made. no. I
2: know you're not hating on him, yeah. but my point is he is the go to guy in terms of like, oh, the public's going to push him down. He's, first of all, I think he's already starting to get pushed down a little bit. I, I was, I'm, I'm sorry. I, let me rephrase it. I think he's the poster boy for like, I'm going to be lower than the public on yeah. Marcus Semyon. Uh, that's what I meant to say. Um, and I don't know. I, I think he's already starting to get discounted a little bit. I if he go if he starts going, say, in the fourth round, I'll probably take him.
1: Yeah, I'd probably do that too. Third round, I don't think I will. I just uh but the thing with Semyon that I think gets a little bit discounted is that he is the guy that plays every single freaking game. He and he played 162 games last year. He played 162 in 2019. Like everybody mm-hmm. sits games now. Everybody sits eight to 10 games because there's you know, rest and load management, whatever the crap is. He played 159 in 2018, played 159 in 2016. This is a guy that plays every single day, no matter what. And there's a lot of value in that. But yeah. I just look at you know, that early. He, even his, his monster last year, he still hit 265. So, you know, not, not, not bad, but, you know, not hurting you, but not helping you right. in that stat. And, um, I just, really, I just really like Seager. I, I see the ADP to 80, and the injury is always a big thing with him. But you look at his hard hit rate, it's huge. 55.5% in 2020, 49% in 2021. I mean, he only played 95 games last year, but he's still 16 home runs, 57 RBIs, hit three hundred six. Really good K rate, really good walk rate that bumped up last year. I know this is a tougher stadium to hit in. Um, I'm going to have a lot of – if Corey Seager's ADP sticks at 80, which I don't know if it will, I will have a lot of him in, on teams in the sixth round and a 15-teamer for sure.
2: Uh, are you comfortable not getting stolen bases from your shortstop? Where are you going to get them? Otherwise, what's your plan to get them?
1: It's a really good question. And I don't know if I've an answered that yet, but that is a very good point. I mean, you're getting one stolen base from your shortstop is tough and you, you need a certain number of shortstops per slot. If you want to do it that way, you're getting very few from catcher, you know, shortstops have a spot you want it in. Um, I'd have to have had uh, you know, an outfielder or someone with some stole maybe a Jose Ramirez on a team like that. He's got, he's got to fit, right. But if he fits right, I, I really like the price. In the in the last
2: you know last seven seasons we've had six full seasons. Marcus Semyon in those six full seasons has had double digit stolen bases yep. in every single one of them.
1: And I would assume that there's no reason to not let him run a little bit. They signed him with a big contract. He you know he's not going to be twenty five steals, but you know twelve to fifteen is pretty much a that. Lot.
2: That's exactly what it's going to be. Yeah. You know it's a it's that's a range of ten to fifteen in those yeah. in those six, in, all, in those six seasons. So you're not really talking about a huge windfall, but. You know, stolen base, you, a building block. Stolen base guy is huge.
1: Right stolen now. base can be a pain all year, aren't they?
2: They are. They are. They're. They're. They're not plentiful now. Sometimes, like Chris, Chris always likes to say he likes to fade the plentiful. I mean, fade the scarce stats and right. chase the plentiful ones because
1: you need more of them. Yep, it's true. But you got to find a way to get to your ninety steel or even your eighty ninety steel somehow, and it's. Yep. uh So speaking of that, uh, Starling Marte is another um, old face in a new place. Good segue to a stolen base guy here. Um, He ran wild in Oakland. It was, I mean, he was doing well, and then he went to Oakland and he just he was stealing everything. And he was he had a stretch where he didn't get caught. He had forty-seven steals and five caught stealing. So not just running a lot, but running really efficiently. Um, he hit 310 last year, but then you look at, he hit 12 home runs. He had 55 RBIs. Like That's hard to get from a guy you're taking in the second or third round. Where are you on Marte moving to the Mets? Um, you know, obviously there was a, it was a big jump in stolen bases last year. Always a good strikeout guy. He's never going to be a huge hard hit guy, but last year was hot career high at 39%. ADP right now is 30. The, as much as we've talked about stolen bases so far, where are you on Marte right
2: now? I'm okay with him there. Uh he got 55 RBI in 120 games, not 160 games. So yeah, that's true. He did it on Miami and Oakland, uh, t- secondly, and yeah, I mean he's never going to be a huge yeah. RBI you're, guy. You're probably but-
1: getting 15 home runs from your second 3rd third peg, which is tough. But it depends yeah. who you. Depends who you started with too. Like if you started with Trey Turner, it's probably not the greatest fit. But if uh, you know if you started with a, a big power hitter first, it, it can fit really nicely.
2: Yeah, it's not like you have to keep him for three years. You don't have to yeah. have him for the extent of his contract with the Mets That's or anything
1: true. like that. Um, it's just this year. For this year, I'm down with that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I think the efficiency is what's big to me on the stolen bases. Like, if he's still stealing that efficiently, there's no reason for anybody to stop him running because it's actually good for your team. Whereas if he's getting caught a bunch, you know, maybe you slow him down a little bit. But, I mean, I think that uh, there aren't many guys you can pencil in and feel pretty good with a 30 stolen base projection. I think he's one of them.
2: Yeah, I think you're right about that.
1: Before we jump out of here, uh, a few lesser signings. Um, you know, we're looking at uh, some guys who signed uh, and, you know, weren't the big names, uh, Avisel Garcia, Mark Canna, John Gray, uh, Marcus Stroman signed with the Cubs. Um, Mark Canna last year, I, I, I don't know, I'm an A's fan, so I kind of was like, oh, he's playing well. He only had 231. He didn't have 17 home runs. The key in this one is he had this 12 stolen bases last year. However, those are more than his prior four years combined. So it was a, it was a new thing for him. Um, he plays again because he can run, but we kind of picked his spots really well. He's a really smart player. Um, I feel like Ken is a better OBP guy than a batting average guy. If I'm an OBP league, I kind of push him up a little bit, and batting average league I'd kind of push him back down. Um, I just I think that uh, the, the walk rate and getting on base is is, is a big part of his game. Yeah, uh,
2: I seem to remember like he was a huge split guy. Like first half, second half, uh, like almost all of his major production was done in the first half. Uh, and I'm gonna tr- see if I see if my memory is not faulty here. You are um, you're
1: very you're very correct. He was 255 with 11 bombs in the first half. 206 with six home runs in the second half.
2: 55 runs scored in the first half. Yeah. Thirty, you know, I think it was uh, 38 in the second half.
1: It was fun. I mean, it was a while there. He was really valuable. He was leading off for the A's, getting on base. Right. And he was scoring. a run
2: scoring machine. Yeah. He was a DFA. He was Mark. You know, Mark Canna against a lefty was like auto start. In fact, A's. A stack against the lefty the first half of the season was like this auto beautiful auto thing
1: prior to uh, them going in the tank as a team.
2: Yes, yes, we, well, we both have our tank team. So <laughs> uh, I hear you, but point is, I'm not thrilled. I I, I think the ballpark is not going to be great for him. Yeah, uh, there. I you know, I think he he's a I think this. He's one of those guys where the you look at the overall numbers, like, yeah, okay, that looks pretty good. And I think there's less to it than there is, than, than the overall stats suggest.
1: I, I know they paid him, but do you worry at all about playing time? And they may have they have J.D. Davis, they have Dominic Smith, they have some pieces they can kind of move around. Do you worry about that? I mean, I think the DH will obviously help him. Depends if Robbie Cano can come up with DH. He's hitting well in the Dominican League, I think, where he's playing right now. But uh, do you think the money paid to Cana keeps him in the lineup almost every day?
2: I mean, since I'm fading him to begin with, I'm probably not worried. Yeah, uh but that's true um yeah i mean it's an issue i think that this is a team that desperately needs a dh uh they have the extra bats yeah. and that that's that's a good thing to have that that's a good problem to have you know guys get hurt as we saw also but
1: and, and I think they also got some guys where you don't mind hiding them uh not on the field playing defense which helps. the
2: problem is they have lots of guys like
1: that they do do
2: your favorite player, Jeff McNeil. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Jeff. He actually doesn't hate you. He just thinks that yeah. you're a bad outfielder, and he's a better <laughs> outfielder than you. But um, just, uh,
1: just on one one play in Atlanta, yes.
2: Yes, based on that and other evidence, evidentiary points. But Dominic Smith is a man without position. Yeah. They're getting Cano back this year. Yeah. Uh, he's hit, He's hit,
1: He's hitting over 300 in the Dominican League.
2: There you go. Uh, yeah. And that's proof that he's ready. I saw, he had, uh, I
1: saw on Twitter he had a triple the other day and a play that the center fielder Butchered so badly it should have been a routine single, but you know, right, whatever sure. works. It, was it McNeil and center. Uh, it probably was McNeil. And center. Okay. Uh, but the, they ha- point
2: is that they have lots of options there and that, that's the options are good, but they need, they need that DH to kind of kick in there. Uh, so I'm just not there for that price on him.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't think I am either a uh, guy that's hundred picks earlier, but it's a little more interesting is Avisel Garcia signed in the NL East also in, in mm-hmm. Miami, uh, 28 home runs last year and eight stolen base we're talking about guys who can kind of chip in a little bit he had eight last year that really helped out um you know decent k rate at 239 percent big big bump in his hard hit rate though he definitely took a step up last year uh career highs at 46 percent hard hit 12.2 percent barrel so he's like he definitely took a step up there swinging strike rate though i i couldn't believe this i like this k-rate i'm like oh it's not that bad i'm just swing strike rates a third worst in all of majors it's uh it's it's baez i forget who was second then he's third at 18.3 percent i worry that uh that K rate is uh, a little tenuous at 20%. I think it might jump up a little bit how much he swings and misses, but um, pop and uh, a little bit of stolen bases, uh ADP one sixty seven. What say you?
2: Mm, I mean, it's going to be tempting. I, I think the ballpark and club context aren't great. Although yeah. I think Miami is probably a better team than they were last year, better offensively too. Uh, especially if they get like step ups from like guys like Jesus Sanchez and others that kind of step up and you know, they can build around. Yeah. Uh, but eh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think I'll be there. And I think that, you know, Garcia in particular also is another guy that has a hard time staying healthy, managed to stay healthy this time around. And it got that contract. And now I, I, I I don't know. I just, I'm, I, I probably am not there for him
1: since we're in Miami. Can I ask you one guy that wasn't on the sheet here?
2: yes you may one of
1: the most polarizing guys that a lot of people love a lot of people that are way off is, is jazz chisholm where are you on him uh, coming into the 2022
2: i'm kind of I'm, I'm switzerland i'm neutral on him um, adp
1: right I, now is 78 so in a uh a 12 team that's the seventh round and a 15 teamer that's what the uh the six uh, sixth round uh I love him as a player. And I mean, he ran a lot last year he Had 23 stolen base. Another guy that if you get in that range in the fifth, sixth round, you need some steals. 23 is uh, is really nice. He had 18 home runs, but two forty eight. a lot of strikeouts, a lot of swing and miss. It's uh, you can see he's one of those guys where you can definitely see a floor and a ceiling that, uh, that are both pretty significant.
2: Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I he's another first half, second half guy though, too. Kind of looked a little overmatched, uh, Johnny doesn't hate jazz, um, but at the same time... Um, See,
1: I don't even know what that reference is to. It's just the name of a band, Johnny Hates uh, Jazz. but uh, Yeah, I'm not the... I could do TV mu- movies. I'm not the best with music references. I'm not either.
2: I just happen to...
1: Is that know, some like grungy Chicago band you listened to when you were cool in college? Uh,
2: a, was never cool in college. Uh, <laughs> no, he...
1: I find that hard to believe.
2: Um, I don't think I've ever been actually cool. Um, I'm just... I, I mean, I'm... I hide it a little bit more now. But looking at Chisholm, <laughs> uh, he had 228 in the second half. He struck out a lot more. Just, yeah. Uh, and I, it, I think that's part of the give and take of a ball player. I think the raw physical school, skills are great. And he, he could take another level here this year, and that alleviates a lot of my concern. You know, I'll take him in that range that he goes in. Uh, I, I won't take him at the top end. Uh, It won't be a guy I reach for. But if you're talking about guys that what happens when you miss on the stolen bases, yep. this is an alternative. He, sure. you know, I, and so say if you don't get a uh, stolen base guy or, or two stolen base guys early, I will take Chisholm ahead of Seeger just because I might need the stolen bases. I think a lot of it deals with roster construction, same position, sure. although he does qualify at second t- as
1: well. Uh, Jazz Chisholm or Jorge Polanco. The Jorge Polanco experience was huge last year. I it, it's, Elite winner. We talked about him a bunch of times last year. Just how good he was, especially late in the year. Hit um, when he had, had thirty three home runs, eleven steals, and like, it all looks really good. Didn't strike out a lot. Eighteen percent strikeout rate. Hit two seventy. Um, I think the Polanco is definitely safer than Jazz. Jazz probably has a bigger ceiling. It probably depends on what I need. If I need a little more pop, I go Polanco. If I need more speed, I go Chisholm. If, I'm, if I need a little more average, uh, I'm going to see here. It's a, li- it's a good mix in there of three guys in the middle infield. I, I kind of like all of them. It just depends on what my team looks like the first five rounds. Sure. it makes sense. Anybody else you want to talk about? We've kind of gone a while here, kind of hit a bunch of topics. Anybody else that is on your mind you want to hit here on the first show or anybody else well, that you want to discuss? Uh,
2: on, the, on, the, on our outline, you mentioned John Gray. I yeah. like him. I like him, and I don't think he's being tr- priced up a whole lot there. I know he was actually – better in Colorado uh which is interesting but I think a full season away I think it's gonna do wonders for him and you know so much was made out of Semyon and Seager when he signed but this is this is something that they really needed and they yeah and Texas has a really good track record with these veterans signing here you know Lance Lynn obviously got unlocked but uh Ian Kennedy got unlocked uh you know you know Kyle Gibson was much much better in Texas uh, I think John Gray could be better than all those guys, are, except maybe not better than Lynn. But I think he's got the the upside that Lynn had, and I you're you're paying pick two fifty for him.
1: I was a little surprised at pick two fifty. I mean, people have loved John Gray for so long, and I figured the move out of Colorado would might be you know a little more people aggressive with him. But I I think two fifty, I'm willing to take a stab too. And the velocity was back last year. He threw he was uh, mm-hmm. just about at ninety five last year, so I do like that, and a good park to pitch in. And I know there's the like you said the better in Colorado stuff, but like give me a guy out of Colorado full time anytime we can get that. Um, sure, if he sticks at two pick two fifty, yeah, I will definitely uh, be willing. I'm taking willing to take a stab on at that point. Very good. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, Jeff, it was good to uh, good to see you again. Good to be uh, back talking baseball. We will uh, we'll definitely get into lots more draft stuff and player talk as we kind of go through this uh, this preseason and uh, hopefully we start to get some more news and hopefully everything, you know, un- unlocks and we get some signings and we kind of figure out who's going where, but uh, still a lot to talk about before we get there, but thanks for listening to the Roadwire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We appreciate our sponsors at uh, WinBet, uh, their sponsorship and uh, partnership all year long. Uh, if anybody want to fo- follow Jeff on Twitter, he's at Jeff underscore Erickson. I am at Scott Jenstead If you want to talk about football, definitely talk to Jeff right now and not me because I am... Hooray. Hooray. I'm boycotting for a while. I will be rooting with uh, rooting with Jeff in the Super Bowl. I will be rooting for the Bengals because it's uh, a fun story, and I can't really root for the Rams, it's a division rival, anyway. But sure. Uh, uh, but uh, so anyway, uh, congratulations again to you on that. I'm happy to be back uh, chatting baseball. It's always a always a good time. Always a fun time of year. Um, talking drafts is the best. i like I love in season baseball, but talking baseball drafts is, is a lot of fun. Yeah,
2: it's it's the best, and love doing it, and can't wait. We're gonna be doing it. We got uh there are full-fledged all of our baseball yep. podcasts this week i'm in with fred zinke on tuesday on thursday i'm actually not going to do it this week that's only because james got a very special guest that he can only book on thursday so he's gonna i think he's got rob silver is the very
1: special guest so uh, very special a little strong for that yeah, he's awesome uh, to, uh i'm you know. joking i love i love rob it's a yeah. uh, former main event uh, overall winner too yes indeed and probably the smartest and funniest guy in any of the leagues too. It's kind of annoying he has both those traits. Big fan of mock drafts. Rob is he loves mock drafts, but no, he's uh, he's someone that uh, definitely worth listening to. He has got a lot of. Uh, he's one of those people that like he starts talking about players and he can convince you on stuff because he's so good I and mean, he's. A, I think he comes from a law a law background. He's really good at um, kind of breaking stuff down. He's really fun to listen to. That's a, that's a really good guess. I know James was on his uh, his pod last week, so that's a good uh, that's a good get on the uh, kind of that return the uh, the home at home right there. Indeed. Beautiful. Thanks everyone for listening. If you could please rate and read the podcast, we greatly appreciate that. Also, we'll be back at you uh, next Sunday night and every Sunday night throughout the baseball season. Very much looking forward to it. Hope everybody has a uh, good week and take care.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.